Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Welcome to On Demand, one of my favorite tools, a gift to you that allows you to get the Word of God when you want to. We are in the middle of an amazing season. Now, you may be watching this post the election of 2020, or you may be watching it right in the middle of it. Wherever you are, this has been an amazing season. A season with a lot of emotion, a lot of uh, difficult thoughts, and I'm telling you, trying to figure our way through this. But God is able, and there's a verse that I want to show you that shows you how to survive difficult seasons. Some of you are facing a season like we have been during this season, and maybe it's later on in life, maybe it's years from the time this happened, but whenever it happens, God gives you the ability to survive a season. The book of Psalms 34, it gives us an incredible, or some people like to say the 34th vision of Psalms. There is this incredible place in verse 17 that I think we should start our study today that will take us on a journey and show you how to survive difficult seasons. How do you manage through times when it's not easy? So stay with me today. It's going to be great. I'll be back and pray with you at the end. So stay right there. Enjoy today's message. You might ask, boy, Pastor Rick, what in the world should I do? How in the world do I respond to this? Well, first of all, let's understand that we are a family and families go through hard times. Families go through days they can't explain. And there are times when you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to sort through it and you don't know exactly which way to turn. The politics of the day is a necessary part of our life. It's something that we can't escape. News, politics, difficulties, just like in family, you can't escape certain things. But the question is, how do you survive this season? How do you survive a moment when it's difficult? What do you do? Well, some people say, well, I just cuss. That's what I do. I just cuss, Pastor. I just cuss. I just, <laughs> some of you need to stop doing all that cussing. Because you do. Some of you, even Christians, you go, oh boy, big bad words. Some of you say, I just give up. I just, I don't care. I just tune them out. I just ignore everybody. And some of you, you just grieve. You know, there are people grieving because your candidate didn't win. You're just crying. You're wailing. Oh, Lord. And some of us are dancing. Some of us are sad. Some of us are happy. We're all over the place. But here's the deal. Wherever you land, wherever you are, you need to see a bigger picture. Now, let me give you an insight personally. I have strong convictions about who I want to win, who I wanted to win. I have strong convictions about my reasoning, my thoughts, and my processes. But here's what I learned in the middle of this. I'm not always right. I've learned at, at, at the end of all of this that I am not always right. There are times when I think what happens is we develop these opinions, and these opinions somehow shape um, how we feel. So I think that you know, Trump wasn't good. I think Trump was bad, or I think Biden wasn't good, or Biden was. So I have my own convictions about these people, and I start saying, okay, well, now based on my opinion of them, and I haven't met either one of them, by the way, just to be personally clear, that somehow I am now going to feel good or bad because you know, and I overly estimate, overly define my relationships with these imaginary people that I don't really know. Now, these are real people, and they represent different ways of thinking and different ways of leading. And I think all of us have picked somebody. We have millions of Americans who went to the poll, more than at any time in American history. And, and I think it's right for us to pick. I think it's right for you to vote and make a decision. But once you've voted, and once you've done something that nobody in the Bible ever got to do, there's no voting in the Bible, if you didn't know that. 
Nobody in the Bible, none of the disciples ever voted. Nobody ever voted. There's no voting. You know, they, whoever had the biggest gun or sword won. Pretty much it was, it was led by kings, emperors, prince, princesses. It was led by force. You didn't get to vote in your leader. So we had a privilege that, that very few people in history have had. And we should value that. But once we exercise that right, then we have to make another mature decision. We have to decide to, to go forward together. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of the answer to this question I asked you earlier. I said, how do you survive this moment? Number one, unite. Unite. That's how you survive this moment. Unite around a common goal. One thing you know is true. And, and band together and get it done. So, you know, this has been, like I said, a very difficult season. But until we unite, and there's one verse I've been quoting all week long, a house divided against itself can't stand. Until we unite, there is no power. And, and we allow people that we don't know to divide us. And we allow people that we've never met to control how we feel. So I'm real mad at a person who voted for Trump or voted with Trump. I voted against Biden or whatever. I, whatever side I fall on, I take on this attitude that because you voted for Trump, because you picked him, I don't like you, and you voted for Biden, ah, we're not going to be friends anymore. That's a bunch of foolishness. We can't think that way. The political system was not established for that to be the result. There are moments in life we don't agree. But here's what I learned through all of this. I don't know everything. Everybody's viewpoint has value. And if I don't see that, then I, I'm, I'm in a bad spot. I'm in a bad spot. It's going to be difficult for God to help me. It's going to be difficult for me to advance beyond this pain. I have to take a deep breath and say, OK. I aired my view. I voted my convictions. But we all still live in the same house called America. We all still live in the same, in my, in my case, in the same state, Georgia, wherever you live, Nevada, Pittsburgh, Alabama, California, wherever you live, Texas. You folks live all over the place. And, and you cannot spend your life allowing a political season to dominate your life and to destroy everything that you've built. The Bible, Jesus said, a house divided can't stand. So we had our moment. We aired our views. We laid it on the table. Now, what I pray is that our Congress would unite around this COVID issue and say, let's, let's fight this common enemy together. Let's get these numbers down. Let's stop worrying about fighting over masks and, and do our best to protect each other. Let's do our best to care about each other. Let's come up with a common plan and, and fight a common enemy. That's how an army wins. You know, they fight. They all get together and they fight together. Your family is all messed up. I almost said jacked up. I didn't say that, but it, it was all messed up because you don't unite. You're broke because you won't unite. You won't come together and say, listen, I know you did cuss me, sister, but you're my sister. I know that you didn't do right. My brother, you stole some money from, but you're my brother. We got to find a way to get together, because if we don't, we lose. We lose everything that we fought for. When this many people die, it's no time for uh, theories and made up stories. We need facts. We need strong facts. 
We need to know what the, where the disease is, where our enemy is. We need to fight together, band together, pool our money together, put together a financial bailout plan to help everybody, the poor, the, those who are struggling, and those who, who have done well, been blessed like me, chip in and help, help in the fight. We need to be clear that we are in this together and we've got to believe. So here's my two words, unite and believe. You've got to unite and you've got to believe. You've got to believe in something. Set a set of goals and priorities. That's how you achieve success. I fight it every day. I fight the temptation to be overly issue-driven. I've got an opinion. When you get married, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, you, and you're so focused on your opinion that you divide. You and your wife are divided over what? You and the kids are divided over what? You haven't called your son. Why? You need to unite and then believe. Believe in the right direction and go after it. And then you'll survive these seasons. And let me give you a little hint. The Bible gives you some, some promises. The book of Psalms 34, 34th division of Psalm, people like to say, says something from verse 17 to verse 20. Verse 17, 18, 19, 20. Four verses. And those four verses... Say, say so much to us about how to survive difficult seasons. David had gone and gotten himself into an awkward place, an awkward moment. And he got in this moment and he almost lost his life and he, he, he um, pretended he was crazy with this particular king to, to make sure that <laughs> the king would let him go free. And, and it's, it's this incredible moment where David writes this song. It's a song. And it's a song where he's really excited because God's delivered him and God's brought him through this great moment. And here's what he says in Psalm 34. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Mm -mm -mm. This is a man who is dancing happy. Because his life was almost about to be snuffed out. And, and all of a sudden, he finds himself in this incredible place where he's free. The guy lets him go and he's free. And he, he, he gets away. He says, God is good. You ever had that moment? God is good. That's what some people are doing now. This political season's over. Thank God it's over. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. We got a little things we're dealing with now here, cutting little crumbs here and there, but we're going to deal with that and it's going to be okay. But at the end, we are going forward and we're not going to allow whatever else we got to deal with here to throw us off. This is the moment when we've got to band together. And so David is at the end of it. And that's what I prophesy for us. The Bible says that he made some declarations. There are three words that describe the season for David that I thought were fascinating. He said, trouble, the righteous cry out, the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. He talks about those moments when it's just hard. Just, and it's like that. Secondly, he talks about heartbreak in verse 18, the brokenhearted. There are people whose heart, they're just broken. Some of those who died of COVID during this season, those who've gone through great loss um, in life, my God, it's been in my life as a pastor. I've seen it on the left, on the right, behind me, in front of me. I've seen more loss of life and more sickness than I've ever seen in all the 39 years of pastoring. 
It's been hard to watch. And so there's this sense of trouble and broken brokenheartedness, if I can get that out. <laughs> Being, let me just say it another way. The season when you see all these broken hearts all around you. And then the last thing he says, something that just seals it, he says the word crushed. The Lord, in verse 18, uh, Psalm 34, uh, is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed, crushed. Three words, troubled, brokenhearted, and crushed. Those are three bad places to be. Though, I mean, you just, you just can't even imagine how in the world God allowed you to be here. But that's what we've been through for a lot of people. But what's really fascinating is the answers he gives. He gives these incredible responses, and he says four what I call promises that should give us courage. Four things he says. Number one, he uses the word hears, the Lord hears. The Lord hears us in verse 17. He hears you. And if you can just pause and think about that, in the middle of all of this, God hears us. Sometimes if we're not careful, we, we think God hears the president and God hears the news media and God hears, no, no, no. God's listening to you, to you and your circumstances. God knows what you're facing. I'm really glad to know he hears me because there are times I need him to hear me. And let me tell you right now, I don't care what you're dealing with. He hears you. Number two, the Bible says, verse 17, he delivers people. He's a deliverer. You don't have to always be here. And, and I want to say this. This is about you deciding you don't want to be here. Do you really want to be delivered? Do we want to really be a different kind of country? Do we really want to be a different kind of people? Do we really want to get past political division like this? Do we want to end this? Deliverance won't come if you're not willing to, 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 to open your heart to deliverance. God's willing to guide us to a place of deliverance. But we have to desire that. And thirdly, he says this. He's close. And out of all the verses, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. You know that word close? It means right there. Let me say it again. It means right there. Right there, man. When you're, when you're in that moment, when you don't see a way, he's right there. There are times when I did not know how, I didn't know where, but he was right there. There were times I needed 10,000. There were times I needed 4 million. There were times I needed 1 million. There were times I needed 100,000, but he was right there. He was right there. God was right there, right there. I was one time sitting in my office thinking about a, a, a big financial deal I needed to work on, a multi-million dollar deal, and I was I was praying about it because I just didn't know how to put the deal together. And I was sitting there struggling. And and I'm telling you, man, it, let me tell you, the Lord, a guy called me on the phone. <laughs> and he said, Pastor Rick, what you doing? I said, I'm working on this deal. And I told him about it. And he, man, he, he said, well, let me come on by. Made a couple phone calls. Somebody, and, they, and it all worked out in a week. Lord have mercy. He was right there. Right there. God is right there. When you have some of the most difficult seasons of your life, in the midst of this, all of this stuff, he's right there. He's right there with us. He draws close. As a matter of fact, that was the verse. Verse 18 is the reason why I'm preaching the sermon. He draws close to the brokenhearted. He's closer to you when your heart's broken. When you're in the biggest fight of your life, he's right there. He doesn't leave you. Oh, man, that helps me. Then lastly, watch this now. Not only is he there, 
He saves you. He's, he's into the saving business. He's, he's into the business of making it better for you and lifting you. Let me tell you something. Ain't nothing like being saved. And I'm not just talking about being a Christian. I'm talking about being saved from debt. Saved from not having any money. Saved from strife and arguing every day in the house. Saved from a messy existence where everything is everywhere. Saved from a junky garage. Saved, saved, saved from strife with your children. Saved. He's the Lord. If you allow him in your life, he will guide you to a place. He'll be right there and help you fix it. Now, the key thing is you got to invite him in. You know what I learned, though? Most people don't invite him in. They, they, God's only in their life part time. And that's why they don't survive the seasons. Seasons come in their life and it drowns them, beats them up all the time. They live a defeated life because in the midst of the difficult seasons, they don't open the door and say, God, come on in. Come on in. Show me which way to go. Show me which way to turn. Show me what I should do. Show me how to fix this. Show me, God. Show me. Show me where my feet should be. Show me how to walk. Show me. Show me how to get my feet right. They don't invite him in. They invite God into one little corner of their life. But he can't get into your intimate life. He can't get into your drinking habit. He can't get into your, your words. You won't let him into your business. You won't let him into. You won't. You have areas where you blocked him off. But what if you were to open the door and invite him everywhere? In this season right now, this entire country would invite God in. OK, you have a view. I have a view. But can we invite God in to maybe find a way to work together? Maybe, maybe. He's a God who saves people. And I believe he wants to save you and me and all of us. Now, what I want to do is close this out with a, a final thought, because I, I want to get you to think with me for a minute. During this season, I've gone through a lot emotionally, watching our country struggle. And I came away with seven things that I've learned in this season. That's right, seven lessons. And I want to just kind of share them with you for a minute, and maybe to help you, maybe to be insightful for you. Because I feel like when you're talking to people, you should talk to them where they are. I know God is a, is a guy who, God who wants to unite us. I know he wants us to believe and trust in all the things I just said are true. But at the end of this season, as we come to the close of it, and there's more, as I said, to deal with and more to do. But there are seven things I've learned. Number one, I've learned and I'm going to make this about me. I'm not going to make it about you. I make it about me. Maybe you can relate to it or not. But number one, I learned that I can be very opinionated. I learned that I can be very opinionated. Everyone's opinion, if I'm not careful, will be secondary to mine. Are you in a, a person that's so politically or, or let's make it political since that's the season we're in. You're so politically convinced that you think your opinion and your summary is the only opinion there is in the world. Well, that's not democracy. That's dictatorship. And you got to be careful that that's not what you're trying to do. And it is my conviction that I'm watching Christians do that. We have no plan, as I said to you on last week, I believe, to live with people who disagree with us. We don't have a plan. We, we, in our minds, if you are not going to be a Christian, uh, we're going to force you through political means. And we don't know how to, how to manage people that are different. We don't, we don't have a plan to deal with anybody who is of a different persuasion than us. If after I talk to you and you, you say to me, I'm gay and I'm going to be gay and, and I don't have a plan to deal with you after you tell me you are. And so... 
I write you off or throw darts at you. I don't have a plan for a person who has decided they don't want to go to church. I don't have a plan for them. I don't have a, I don't have a plan for that. I just if you if you say you don't want to go to church, then I write you off. You really. Yeah. So opinionated, so strong, so committed, so so godly, so much. But for God so loved the world. People that don't agree with me. God loved them. And I don't I have to I have to find a way to unite with people in my neighborhood, in my community, in my world who don't agree with me. Eighty percent of Americans do not go to church. Says the Hathaway report. Now, we're going to have to deal with this reality. And now the number is larger because of COVID. What are you going to do, Christian, when someone says, I don't agree? Here's what you do. Love them. Find a way to unite with them. Find a way to, to allow them to be people that are respected and loved, even if you disagree. And that's called being like Jesus. Second thing that I've learned about myself. I can be out of touch with the other side. I can be out of touch with the other side. You know, Republicans often talk to just Republicans and Democrats talk to just Democrats or they get together and argue. But nobody really listens to anybody. And if you're not careful, you don't even know what the other side is saying. What do the millions of people who voted against your view think and feel? Do you care? Have you been to their homes, their neighborhoods? Do you even care at all? You know, I'm a black guy. If you notice, right, there you go. He's a black guy. That's right. Been black all my life. All my life. Here's the deal. Do I care about the white farmer up north, northern Georgia? Do I care? Do I even know any? Do my phone have any, any white people in it? Every phone needs to have some good white people in it now. And some good black people in it. And some good Asian people. And some good Hispanic people. And some short people and some heavy people and some smart people and some not so smart people. You need to, you know, you need to be careful that if you're not careful that you, you somehow are out of touch with anybody that's different than you. Anybody that's not in your income bracket. You don't even know what they feel like. Third thing I've learned through this season. Man, I can make a personality the center of my focus. I can make a personality the center of my focus. Now, I'm going to take a big step, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to crowd in and bother some people, but hang with me and love me, okay? Here's what I'd say. If you love a leader, the leader's job is not to become the personality that dominates the, the mission. The mission is what dominates. Overcome by faith has about 3,000, close to 3,000, several thousand members, right? We've had several thousand over the years. It cannot be that every conversation and every waking moment of my staff and the members is all about me. And they're trying to rein me in and, and manage me and help me or hang with me. I can go someplace good, I promise. That can't be the focus. It can't be about daddy if you got a house and it's all about is daddy drunk today? Is daddy, daddy loud today? What's daddy doing today? Oh boy, what's mama doing? Where's mama? I mean, it, it, we can't do family work. We can't get the mission done of paying the bills, taking care of the house, uh, getting the homework done because the world is centered around a personality and managing a personality. Now, I say this with love and I don't mean any harm when I say this. One of the tragedies of our last experience in, our, in our, these last four years, and, and, and I say this with deep love and respect, 
if you love if you love Trump, if you love our senators, if you love our leaders, we need to inspire them to lead us, not be the center of attention. I don't need a pastor who's at the center of my life every waking second. I'm thinking every week I have to see him. That may bother you, but I've been telling my members for years, come a couple of times a month if you can, stream in a couple of times. You don't have to come every day to see me. I'm not the center of your attention. I didn't die for you on the cross. Jesus did. I'm not the Lord of Lords. He is. I'm, in, I'm important. I'm supposed to be, I guess. I'm the leader guy, right? But I should not. I should be helping your life be better. I shouldn't be the center of your attention. And let me say this to you. You don't do any leader any favors by not challenging them in a respectful way, but standing up and saying right and wrong. You don't help anybody. You hurt yourself, pastor, if you don't let people speak to you. There's no accountability. You're like a wild man in a holy, holy, on a holy horse, ruling everything. You can't. You, that's not servant leadership. And we don't do anybody, any president, any any senator or anybody else. Any look, any any commissioner. We don't do any councilman. We don't do anybody a favor if we allow them to think you are the center of, of prior of power and authority. No. Let the greatest among you be your servant. And I think that's a disservice to the people we follow. And if you are a fan of a leader and you really want them to be OK and survive, then you're going to have to let them know where the boundaries are. And we failed in that way. The Christian church has failed because it didn't stand up and say that's wrong. You can't say that. You can't do that. You're afraid. And, you, and you, you, what are you afraid of? Losing what? What does it profit a man if he gained the entire Supreme Court? Gain the entire, all the political things you want and lose his soul. What, I know, I know, hang with me. What does it profit a man if at the end of the day we lose ourselves? And I pray we never do that again. That's not good for the man and it's not good for us. In the book of Exodus chapter 18, Jethro came to Moses and said, hey man, it's time out. You're doing this wrong. Time out, Moses. I know I know you think you have to do it this way, but you need to change your method because this isn't a good method for you are the people. And here's what he said in, in, in Exodus 18. You're going to wear yourself out and the people. They don't get tired of your name. They don't get tired of you. And that's not good for you. If you want your leaders to live, if you want your husband, your marriage to live, if you want your church to live. Now, I'm not saying you need to be one of them deacons always bugging somebody. Lord, have mercy. Stop. Would you stop doing that? Just bugging people all the time. Just, yeah, they need to pastor, 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 pastor Ricky, pastor Rick talking about you taking, I need to take charge more. I didn't say that. Don't act like you're the pastor. You're not the president. I'm not saying you need to do that. But what I'm saying is you don't need to have a culture where you can't talk. Where you, you run into fear. Man. We failed. A leader. History will record that we didn't. You, you got to say it. In love, but say it. And may we never as a country ever do another leader that way. You have to draw the line. You can have your convictions. But you got you to draw a line. Just think about that. This is what I've learned. I can't make a personality 
the center of my focus. And I don't need to be the center of the focus. The mission is the center of the focus. Number four, I can sometimes, if I'm not careful, forget the, the bigger picture and divide. I just forget the bigger picture and I'm just going to argue with you. You ever do that in your family, right? You divide over the bacon and you divide over this or divide over that and you forget the bigger picture. There's a bigger picture. Number, number, number five, I can brand good people who disagree with me. I can brand, I can brand people. I learned that about me through this process. You know, I, I just sometimes, and, I, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be candid, I care mass all the time, okay? And I care mass, and so here's what they say. I should always assume I have COVID. I should always assume that I can impact you. So if I'm in your presence, I will wear a mask until we get our way through this season because I don't want to take the chance of me giving you something that could impact you. Now, I just today had two cases, COVID cases, a three-year-old girl and um, a, a, a couple of pastors and another whole household. Uh, that's five, six, six, six in one day I heard about. Six. We're, you got to fight the fight you're in, not the fight you want to be in. One more time. You have to fight the fight you're in, not the fight you want to be in. So when I when I see people that don't reciprocate that, they don't they don't you know they they want to come. Hey, Pastor Rick, I go. Hey, hey, time out. Back up the train. Beep. <laughs> I care for you. You care for me. But I can't brand you a bad person. I can't. I, and that's that's the danger in this. I can't, I can't, every time I see somebody without a mask, I can't go, look at that no mask person. Or either, look at that mask person walking in fear. Look at them. I brand them as a fearful person. We can't live like this. I can't brand you. You can't brand me. We just got to try to work it out. We got to work it out. You may disagree, and that's okay. But my heart, in my heart, I've got to be careful. My biggest concern, one of my concerns is down the road, we've divided so much that some of us will never unite again. Because a person was a supporter of Donald Trump, you just can't ever love him again. Or because a person was a supporter of Biden, you can't ever love them again. That is not the way we should live. Parties give us the right to express convictions, but it should not be used. These parties, Democrat, Republican, Independent, should not be used to divide us. Express your opinion, but love each other. Let me move on. Number six, I learned that I can be wrong about some things and right about others. I can be right and I can be wrong and I need to be open to that. And if I'm wrong, I need to listen. I need to be able to engage. I need to be able to change my position. I need to evolve. I need to grow. Christians innately think because they have a Bible that they're right all the time. They hold up a Bible and they say, I'm right because I'm in the word. I'm in the word. Yeah, OK, OK. But you are not perfect. That's why that's why Jesus said this. Let the weed and the tear grow together and I'll separate. Now, why wouldn't he let you separate? Because you're not perfect and you don't get it right. You judge people prematurely. Judge not. He said unfairly in Matthew seven that you be not judged. The goal was the point was you can judge unfairly. You come to conclusions without all the facts. You don't always know people. No, you don't always understand the other side of it. And I got many examples of that. But this is the seventh thing. and I'm done for the day. 
I can survive difficult seasons. I've learned that about me. I've learned that I can survive difficult seasons if I fight forward. I can be opinionated, very opinionated. I can be out of touch with the other side. I can make a personality the center of my focus. I can forget the bigger picture and divide. I can brand people who disagree with me. I can be wrong about some things and right about others, and I can, but I can survive. I can survive seasons if I fight forward. I believe all of us and all seven of these things I've learned through this season can learn something. And the last one, number seven, to me is the most important. I can survive. I need to unite and believe we are better together. A house divided cannot stand, but we will stand. Pray with me. Pray with me, please. Let's band together. We've been through a lot. We've got a few more things to fight through. We're not at, we're not at home plate yet, but we must find a way in this season to trust the God who called us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I pray, God, for the, the office of the president. I pray, God, for the healing of a nation. I pray, God, for the healing of the Senate. I pray, God, for the healing of of Lord God, the Congress in, in general. I pray for our court systems. I pray for the Supreme Court. I pray for all the different things we've been arguing about the last few weeks and months. And I pray that we'd find a way to unite. I pray that this common enemy, the COVID-19, God, that you'd bring wisdom to the doctors and it'd be a, a, a united front. You said where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. And so we, we repent for being divisive. And Lord God, we repent for not challenging leaders in some ways that would be positive, not disrespectful, but we have a responsibility as leaders to say something and to stand up for righteousness and to care about the downtrodden and to care about the thousands who died and lost loved ones in this horrible, horrible, horrible season that we faced. But I pray for healing. I pray for forgiveness. I pray for blessing and I pray for a future in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, listen, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for letting me share my thoughts with you today. I hope they helped you. I love to hear your responses, your thoughts. If you can email me at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org, I'd love to hear your thoughts and, and love to pray with you about prayer needs you have. If you've lost someone to COVID, if you're going through some crisis and you want me to pray for you, just email me at the email address below, pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. And let me just say this to you. I believe with all my heart that we are, we are, in a family, and it doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter what economic status you're at, we're in this together. And so you pray for our leadership, you pray for our country, you pray for the future, and I wanna thank you again for letting me be a part of your life. If you're here today, and I wanna not leave without saying this, and you, you said, Pastor, after hearing all that you said, could you, could you pray for me, for my walk with God? I, I need to get closer to God, I, I need a new walk with Him. What you said spoke to me. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for people today who would say, Pastor, I need a new walk with God. I need to get my life on track spiritually. A lot of things you said today were true, but I can't fix them on my own. So I open my heart to a relationship with the living God. Thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross to set us free, to give us an opportunity to ask for forgiveness. And so we thank you for this day and this opportunity to start a brand new life with a brand new beginning in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh man, I pray you were blessed by that. He hears, he delivers, he's close, and he saves. All of that just for you. I hope you were blessed and I hope that it helps you see God differently during this season of your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those who've gone through a difficult season and come to this place of healing. 
I pray that you let this be the beginning of a new life for them. May they have confidence and faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, it's a joy to have you. See you next time right here on demand. I pray the word of God has lifted your heart, sharpened you, and made you better. See you next time. Bye-bye.